everybody. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And guess who's back with us? He took a couple of weeks off, but he's back now. Hey, Q. Tina, what's up, girl? It's been too long. Too, too long, girl. I know. You've been busy kind of moving yes. to different states and whatnot. You're living, living my best life. You are. Sadly, not, it hasn't been the best of the best, but yeah, I'm living. I'm alive. That's what matters. It is what matters. And I'm glad you're enjoying yourself and uh, your new ag- adventures. So... Hopefully that will go well, and you're going to tell us a little bit about that maybe later on in another episode. But for now, we're going to talk a little bit about Halloween, because this is our Halloween episode. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know, Dina. Um, is Halloween one of your favorites? I don't know that it's one of my favorites. Really? For me, it's easy, simple. Thanksgiving, Halloween, 4th of July. I don't know. It's one of them. I think most Americans would say Christmas. I like I like the Christmas spirit. I like the Christmas time of the year, yeah. but that's not a holiday. So I wouldn't say a holiday. My favorite season is Christmas season, starting from Hall- Halloween is the kickoff of that season. So I think <laughs> it's a double whammy for me. But uh, I think I win this argument. I feel like, yes, Christmas might be in people's number one, number two, but Halloween has to be mm-hmm. your top three. And if it's not your top three, you might not be an American. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. All right, I'll let you have your opinion. <laughs> Tina, I miss talking to you. How you been, girl? I'm good, I'm good. So each one of these little stories is going to have a little bit of a Halloween twist to it. So we are going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about costumes, a little controversy, and then we'll tell a story about a haunted hospital. Oh, shoot. Uh-huh. And then we're going to talk about... Um, kind of a little fun Halloween story that has to do with babies. So that'll be kind of nice to close the story, the the show out. Yeah, it's not so much good nurse, bad nurse, but it's like good time, bad time. Yeah, it's a different kind of an episode. Good place, bad place. I don't know. I like it. I I, I think it, I'm excited. I thought it would be kind of fun to mix it up a little bit for Halloween since Halloween is next week. Well, and when this episode releases, it'll be this week, won't it? <laughs> yes. We can start off by talking and you would not let me tell you my opinion about this before we start recording. So you have no idea how, and I don't have, I, you have no idea what I think and I don't know what you, because you didn't want to talk about it, right? You wanted to I, I natural. Yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about it because, so for, the reason this might sound a little confusing to y'all listening, because she sent me, she sent me these things ahead of time. And based on the article she sent me, I could already tell I know where she feels about it, but I didn't want to actually hear her opinion because I definitely don't agree with the article she sent me, but go ahead. Okay. So the article that I sent him is actually from the Huffington Post and it's from a few years, if it's 2014, so not not too long ago. But the article is about Halloween costumes in general that can be offensive to people. And basically what they're saying is that it's out of ignorance. People who do, who dress up like these particular, that it's offensive to someone, so you shouldn't do it. And one of those is, of course, the sexy nurse. What this article says is that most nurses probably don't get their degrees mastering subjects like chemistry and microbiology so that they could become a Halloween stereotype. <laughs> And then it just says, besides nurses save lives every day, they're already sexy without having to be objectified into stethoscopes with legs. And it says there are plenty of costumes for those who don't feel like being a sexy blank this year. So they're they're just not into it. 
I looked it up on allnurses.com just to kind of see what conversations were like there. And is this something that all nurses think? Is it male nurses are okay with it or and female nurses don't like it? Like, what's the what's the deal? I was really surprised. I think what happens is some people take their job very seriously and they're, they worked very hard for their degree and they don't want to be reduced to a stereotype. And they also... One of the things that I that someone said was they didn't like that by portraying nurses in this light, you know, the sexy nurse, it sort of gives license to patients and family members to say inappropriate things while nurses are working. So I kind of disagreed at first because I thought, well, I don't know. Part I'm very conflicted on this because part of me is like, well, it's just all in good fun. What's the difference? You know, like it's just no different than like a sexy firefighter or a sexy police officer. Like people dress up like all different sorts of jobs or or whatever, construction worker, and they can put a sexy spin on it. So I don't know. I don't, I, at first I was thinking, well, it's, what's the big deal? But then when they, when this person kind of put it in this, put this spin on it, like, well, yeah, but just the stereotype itself kind of gives license to, you know, patients and family members. And I do find that to be a problem when I'm working. I don't like it when patients and family members say things like, oh, look, you've got a bunch of, look, you've got all these pretty nurses around you. Oh, he's, he loves this. Look, he's got all these women taking care of him. And I'm just like, that is so inappropriate. And it's just not really, I don't like it. It's very uncomfortable. And most women don't like it that I know don't like it when, when family members and patients say things like that. Because then what are you doing? You're lifting up their gown and doing things, you know, trying to put in a catheter or cleaning them or something. And it's just, that's just not appropriate. I mean, what do you think? What do you think about it? So, yes, I agree. My gut says we need to relax. It's Halloween. So I want to say live your best life and dress up as whoever and whatever profession, because I can understand when it comes to you don't want to dress up as a stereotypical Asian person or a stereotypical Hispanic person or a black person. That I can kind of understand. But at the same time, I'm very, I want to let as many people dress up as as goofy as as outfit as they can think of. Once you start saying you can't dress up as a blank nurse, I get it. Right. I get, so I get the, the only thing that I, the sexy nurse is the only thing that makes me feel some type of way. Just because there is a history of history. It is a current problem and there's a very long history of women being objectified. So there is bad history with that stereotype. So I get that, right? But at the same time, it's Halloween, right? So if if you have a patient saying, oh my goodness, I have all these sexy nurses taking care of me. Yeah, put your foot down and be like, homeboy, relax, okay? But it's Halloween, Tina. It's Halloween. What? Like, what are we supposed to dress up as? It's supposed to be whatever you want to dress up as, and you're supposed to go wild and crazy with it. So you just want people to put on regular scrubs and be like, I'm a nurse for Halloween? That's the worst costume I've ever heard in the history of my life, right? Like, come on. Yeah, well, I guess people love to police other people, especially when it comes to fashion or for the way that, the way they dress. This is not new. People love to say, well, that's not right. That's inappropriate. You shouldn't wear this. You shouldn't wear that and put limitations on other people. In this case, like I said, when I kind of read this person's point of view, just because of the experiences that I've, I've had personally at the bedside, I wish 
But at the same time, I don't really think that the sexy nurse uniform is what is causing that. I really don't. I don't know that. I think it's just the objectification of women. I mean, that's just like, there's a history of it, yeah. right? Because, I mean, I don't know. Because do, do you ever see a sexy doctor? No, right? I mean, is that a thing? A sexy doctor outfit? Hmm. I don't think so. I feel like we would know if it's a thing because we work in healthcare and I've never seen someone like go out of the way of, yeah, I don't know. I've seen sexy lawyers. It's pretty sexy. I've definitely seen sexy teachers, but that's also a very feminine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely a woman thing. I don't think it's a nurse thing. It's a, well, but then, yeah, female dominated professions. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a female thing. It's not a nurse thing. But then again, male dominated professions like firefighters, police officers, that sort of thing. I probably in this particular case, I'm going to say it's probably nurses who are just absolutely sick and tired of being talked to this way. And it's not men, it's not only men that say things like this. It's women say things like this too. And I don't... So it's it's for women that dress up as these sexy nurses, right? And it's as, yeah. most of the time it's women that aren't nurses that dress up as sexy nurses. Oh, actually, I don't know. I've seen a couple of nurses dress up as a sexy nurse, but most of the time it's yeah. non-nurses that are female that dress up as this. But you're saying that women are saying what? That they don't like it? I think it's probably usually women that would complain about this, but I think maybe... Maybe it's women who are nurses who are tired of being treated unprofessionally at the bedside when they're trying to do their job and they don't feel like having people say inappropriate things. But I th- I feel like that is an educational issue for the public and for the community that people need to be, there needs to be more awareness about what's appropriate to say to people and what's not appropriate to say in those settings. Yeah, I think, I think most, I think most, yeah, I, I would, I don't, I think this is definitely largely a public issue and mainly a, ma- a male issue just because I think women, are, uh, most women are just, most nurses are like, get it. Yeah, being a sexy nurse is definitely a Halloween costume, but when it's not Halloween, don't call me a sexy nurse. Don't whistle. Don't say, oh, my goodness, look at all these sexy nurses that are taking care of me while I'm at my job. I think most women get it. Most nurses get it. It's just you got to be smart about when you decide to ask someone if there's a sexy nurse. It's, 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 just, it's just ridiculousness. But uh, bottom line is, if you want to dress up as a sexy nurse, I know I'm biased as a man, but do you boo-boo. <laughs> and I think that was kind of... For the most part, the the posts that I was seeing in this thread on all nurses, kind of that's kind of what I was seeing. I'll, there were a few people who had the, who were of the opinion that it was disrespectful to the profession, damaging to public image of nursing. Because then you can't then you can't dress up as anything. If you're going to start cutting out nurses, then you can't dress up as anything. There's literally going to be everything's going to be off limits because someone's going to be something. That they're like, I can't think of a costume that someone cannot be offended by, right? Like, what is a costume? Anyways, yeah, you get what I feel. You know what I feel. Yeah, and and I think there are a lot of women, or not just women, nurses in general, who have worked really hard over the years to advance the nursing profession and to advance it to a profession and not just a skilled, you know, labor job that is something that you go and learn at a trade school. It's something that's had to advance. And it's taken a lot of years of hard work for for 
nurses, research, and all of the things that you have to do for a career to be considered a profession. And the the nursing profession has gotten to that point and it's continuing on. It's harder because it is a female-dominated role. And for whatever reason, that's it doesn't always come with respect. So it's something we have to fight a little bit harder for. All right. I guess we talked that one out. Hey, Q, we're in a commercial, so we got to talk fast. Let's do it. Okay. So I think I know the answer to this question, but have you ever signed up for a travel nurse agency and immediately regretted it when you started getting all those texts and emails? Sadly, Tina, yes, I have. Okay. Well, Trusted Health is a nurse travel agency that's going to change all of that. They make it simple and fast to go online and sign up, and then you immediately start seeing job opportunities that are tailored to your interests, and you can even see the pay. Sounds too good to be true, Tina. Well, the best part is there are no recruiters, no unwanted emails, and no unwanted text messages. No recruiters? Tina, I'm going to need some help. Where are we going to go if we have all these questions? Right, right. Well, they do have nurse advocates who are there to answer any questions. They'll help guide you through the process, but they're not commission-based, so they're not going to try to pressure you into taking a job that you don't want. Cool beans, cool beans. Well, tell them where to sign up because we're running out of time here. Okay, right, right. So, you guys, if you're even a little curious about travel nursing and you want to help support our little podcast here at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, please go to www.trustedhealth.com forward slash goodnurse. And follow the steps to completing the sign-up process. It's real important that you complete the whole process for us to get credit, and we would really appreciate the support. Remember to be sure and put forward slash good nurse at the end of the URL when you go to their website so they'll know we sent you there. Trusted Health, they're not just an agency, they're a movement. I think we're ready for the haunted hospital. Um, so I actually skimmed through the, what, the actual like outline of what she has to tell you guys about, but then I started Googling stuff and YouTubing things about this place. And it is legitimate. Yes, it is Halloween and we want to do the scary stuff, but this is legitimately. Mm-hmm. It really is. So this is about the Metropolitan State Hospital in none other than Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> and I swear to you. I actually had planned on doing this episode with another podcaster and she had some things come up and wasn't able to do it. So we're going to record a different episode, but I already had all the the research done for this. So I just said, hey, Q, do you want to do this? So I promise you this was not intentional. So this particular hospital, Metropolitan State Hospital, it opened in 1927 in, of course, Boston, Massachusetts, and it was enormous, huge institution. It sat on top of a hill with a view of rolling hills. It was just gorgeous. The land um, around it, beautiful. The hospital itself took up like 23 acres and then the ground spread out over 70 acres. So it was just an enormous facility. It had the ability to care for patients, not only the psych issues, but with acute and chronic medical issues, post-surgical patients and that sort of thing. Just a huge facility. It, it was a psychiatric hospital for children and adolescents. And it was capable of housing around a thousand patients. But that's huge. It's huge. A thousand patients. That's humongous. Yeah. When, like, I mean, that is humongous. Well, like, the thing is, it, it, so I know that it's closed and it's haunted and yeah. it's all of these things. I, I'm surprised because this is the first time me learning about this. This is not like a thing. It's not like, open to the public where like on this time of the year, you can go in a haunted house type of situation. This place is actually like shut down, shut down. Yeah. 
even though it did hold a thousand people after two years, it they already it was at capacity and exceeding a thousand patients. So that that's the really sad part of this is that you know at this time, just this early on that that many people were needing this facility. I know people all are like nowadays are talking about mental illness, mental health, mental illness, mental health. But back in the day, if you were a little off kilter, they were like, yeah, you're psychotic. Let's throw you to the hospital. They didn't know how to deal. Well, I think they didn't really know how to deal with. Yeah. They didn't know how to deal with anything. And they thought and they thought everything was mental illness. If you weren't like just a normal human being. Right. Think about how common it is nowadays. That didn't just happen. It's not like that just happened overnight. That's this all of the things that exist now. I'm sure existed then, and they people of course. were just afraid of it. So I'm sure there were a lot of people who were functioning, struggling with mental illness, and functioning, able to get able to manage, just like today. Yeah. But they would never tell anyone if they were, oh, yeah, no. because it was just, there was such a stigma and. And the treatments for these oh. patients, I'll let you continue. I'm sorry, oh, I'm yeah. jumping the gun no, here. Go ahead. Fine. The hospital had to have its own cemetery and people were dying. The patients were dying so frequently that the workers had to start burying people without any sort of marker. And they actually ended up with 480 graves that were anonymous and then a lot of graves that didn't even have a marker at all. Tina, that's that's psych. I mean, that is insane. Mm-hmm. All right. First of all, it's that's not like I know this is back in the day, but like the Bill of Rights, HIPAA, all of that yeah. stuff. There's no way you can bury people with no marker. You can't have anonymous graves once you come into the hospital and you know who the patient is. How is that even possible for you to have an anonymous grave unless everyone that came there was a what are they called? John Jill? Like, what's it called? Oh, Jane Doe or John Doe. Jane Doe, yeah. Well, like, and I think that maybe if people were dying at such a rate that they just didn't have time to really process it and that people didn't have family members because a lot of people with, fam- with mental health issues tend to drive their family away, unfortunately, and they end up isolated. Um, and so maybe if they didn't have someone uh, that, it's awful, but that really cared when they passed away, that's how the institution dealt with it. Was just they, I don't know. That's just horrible to think about. But so before you continue, I'm sorry. Do you know any hospital in 2019 that has its own cemetery? Because that might be the scariest thing in the world. Like I know hospitals have a morgue. I know all of this, but having its own cemetery? I, I don't know one. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I thought this was really odd. So in the early 1960s, so you're talking, you know, two or three decades later, there were 24 children who were patients at the hospital who died there. And this is basically because, as we talked about mental illness in adults being so mysterious and scary, and and really they, you know, the the, um, medical industry did not know how to really treat them. Everything was sort of experimental it was even worse for children. They really did not understand any sort of mental health issues that children were suffering from. And so they were really experimenting on them. And so what they would do at this institution is they would give them medication mixed in with their milk in order to kind of keep them calm so that they weren't, you know, when they were kind of acting out. The medication that they said they were giving is was called strontium. 
And what, what it was doing is actually killing the, the, the babies um, or the children, you know, over, over you know, slowly over a period of time. And so 24 children ended up dying there during that time. Jesus, Lord yeah. mercy. My God. And wait, that, that's, that's horrible. Yes. yes, it is. It's just terrible to think about all the things that people with mental health issues have had to endure over the years. So now one of the patients at this facility in the 1970s was a man by the name of Melvin Wilson. So he had been in a lot of trouble numerous times as a child for assault. And he was even committed to a state hospital where he was evaluated for mental illness, but they deemed him in, uh, or excuse me, they deemed him to be sane when he was evaluated. So he was getting into trouble, you know, for assaulting other children, but then nothing ever really came of it. And he was just sort of in and out of institutions. And then when he was 18 years old, he tied up and gagged a six-year-old boy and threatened to stab him with a knife. He ended up releasing the boy, but he threatened to kill him if he told anyone what happened. So that was sort of the first incident that happened after he became an adult. So that would be a part of public record. They committed him, not to this hospital in particular. He was in a different state institution, but they labeled him a defective delinquent because, again, he was evaluated and they said that he was, he was sane. He was of sound mind. He stayed in the state institution until 1951. And then somehow he was able to bring a petition before the court saying that he was denied his rights when he was committed. So they had to release him. They evaluated him again. Yes. They evaluated him again for mental instability, but they again found he was of sound mind. So they, he just apparently was not, I don't know if they just didn't want to deal with him or if they didn't really understand, which I'm sure was, was part of the, the problem as well. They just maybe just didn't understand, you know, what his problem was. So I have many things to say. So I'll just start out with this. As of right now, everything you've read up to now is literally like the beginning of the scariest movie, yeah. right? So this is how every scary movie yeah. starts. There's an old crazy psych building and the children used to die in it. And there's delinquents that get out and come in. Scary movie alert, scary movie yeah. alert, okay? So, um, but Tina, I know when you go into court, and when someone says that they like, you know, they have mental issues or whatever, they get sent to a psych ward, right? Instead of going to prison. But if you get let out of the psych ward and you did something that's illegal, like threaten to kill a six-year-old, don't they just send you to prison? How do they just let you out of the psych ward or the mental institution and let you just be free? I really don't understand this either. It was right to me when I, and I when I was reading the different accounts of what happened. That doesn't make any sense. I know, but this is this is really. I mean, I feel this like is this really is really what happened. I know, but like I feel like people were just so loosey goosey with these yeah. things. Not my problem. Yeah, it seems like just no one wanted to accept it as their problem. They just right. kept pushing it down the road, and it didn't really take long once he was released before he committed his next act of violence against a young boy. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, and by his own telling. He said he was sitting outside roasting marshmallows and three boys came by and he said he gave them some marshmallows. And then after a while, they started playing games like hide the bottle. And then he said they got tired of that game. So he told them about a new game 
And he said that he said that he tied one of the boys up and told the other two to leave and come back later to try to find him, to try to find the little boy. And he says that he accidentally stabbed the boy in the side when they were kind of, you know, wrestling when he was trying to to hold him down, I guess. He says it was an accident. Tima, I I don't know what hide the bottle is, but... Well, I don't either. And, I, like, now I know where all of these parents come up with, like, oh, my goodness, if, you know, if someone offers you candy or goodies, to just mm-hmm. say no. But, like, this sounds like the Wild Wild West. I feel like people don't understand rules, regulations. There's no common sense. I, I know that these are kids. But you're going to leave one of your friends with a stranger mm-hmm. after he's been tied up? It's stories like this that I'm always wanting to remind people of. When they say things like, back when I was a kid, we could just be outside riding our bicycles until it was done. When I didn't even go in the house until I saw the porch light go on or whatever. And I'm just like, you know, this stuff happened, but people just didn't know about it because you didn't have the internet. There were still sickos out there doing things like this. It's not like it, all this stuff has been going on for a long time. There have always been people who want to hurt other people. Who want to hurt children and that sort of thing. So, anyway. That's Tina, my- you're, you're, you're a nurse and you're a mom through and through. It never stops with you, huh? <laughs> it never stops. So, they did arrest him, of course, after he did this, finally. But then, guess what? They sent him to a another state hospital. They sent him to Bridgewater State Hospital. It was a maximum security institution, but it was a you know, psychiatric hospital, but at least it was maximum security. But then for no one knows why, but for some reason, he was transferred from that maximum security facility to Metropolitan State Hospital, which is our hospital that we're talking about. And at this hospital, patients could be given passes and permission to roam around on the grounds at certain times. They could earn, you know, privileges to be able to kind of, you know, I guess, go out and go for walks or whatever. So on the morning of August 9th, Anne-Marie Davy, who is, she was a young woman who was suffering from schizophrenia. She had been diagnosed as mildly retarded when she was younger. And, and of course, these are terms that this is a long time ago. And so terms that we would not necessarily use today, they used them. Because it was back in the day, right? Yeah. But now I think maybe intellectual disability. Oh, there you go. See, that sounds, that sounds very, I like that. It does sound, it sounds legit too. It, it's, it's more. Yes, yeah, so it's much kinder and more appropriate. So she was given a pass to walk around on the grounds. And later that day, she went missing and was never seen or heard from again. So when staff realized that she was gone, they started looking for her. Now this is, we said it was 70 acres. This is a large. A thousand bed hospital, 70 acres. They're just burying people left and right. Some people are just buried anonymously with no markers. I mean, for them to lose a patient, I'm not surprised, Tina. This is not surprising news to me, no. especially when you're letting some of these patients who have a history of mental illness free passes to go in and out as they please. Mm-hmm. Like none of this is surprising to me. Not me either. I'm so, I'm, so. It's just it's frustrating when you set up a, the policies like this and then people are like, oh, my goodness, we have a missing patient. Well, of course you have a missing patient. You're bearing people you don't even know the names to. 
Yeah, it's it's very callous seeming, but then I also think I wonder if the staff were just not completely overwhelmed. It sounds like oh, they must they're have probably been. yeah, they yeah. must have been. That's not even a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the nurse shortage definitely. I am surprised that's not in here <laughs> for sure. So when they go looking for her, they found kind of a makeshift hut. You know, like I was kind of envisioning something that was kind of put together by you know, by people, by, with things that they just found out in the woods, this sort of shelter kind of thing. And it looked like someone had just kind of been hanging out there, maybe someplace where they would go to and kind of a hangout. And there were, there was clothing in there and linens. But rather than leaving this hut with the clothing and linens so that the police could search it, process it for clues and that sort of thing, they tore it down and <laughs> sent all the clothes and the linen to the laundry to be washed. Because you know what? Forensic files had not been made yet. So I guess they didn't know. <laughs> these people these people are funny, man. These people I mean, this is just it's incompetence after incompetence after incompetence at every level. Well, I want to feel bad for the everybody else, but these but it's so hard for me to feel bad for this because it's such incompetence. And I know tw- it, hindsight is 2020, and I know I'm talking from a 2019 version, but really, really well, and I think that there was some CYA going on here too, because they knew that they had let this girl go. You know, wandering around, and she was a young woman. She was, um, I think, in around thirty. So, I think that they knew that this girl who was vulnerable, no one was watching her. When they found this hut, they're like, "Oh wow!" Not only is she, have they let her wander around, but someone has obviously been coming here on a regular basis, and that just could not possibly look good for them. Exactly, exactly. No, you're right, you're right. So they couldn't find Anne-Marie. They couldn't find any clue as to what happened to her, ironically, because they kept washing it, apparently. But later that year, they found a woman's skirt, a purse, and a hatchet, and they were able to determine that the purse was Anne-Marie's. So about a month later... Staff members at the hospital found Melvin Wilson with seven teeth, human teeth. Uh-oh. Here we go. Possession. Yeah. I'm guessing it wasn't his? They were not his. <laughs> and well, just making sure. <laughs> yeah. And despite this and his history of violence, he was never interviewed. Like, wait, like that? No, he was never interviewed. And not only that, her disappearance was labeled as an escaped patient. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. That is, yeah, that's just the worst of the worst. So in 1980, the case was reopened and there was an extensive investigation that was conducted. And then they, whoever decided to open this, reopen this case, decided to interrogate Melvin Wilson. So they must have been looking at all of this, this evidence. And when they did interrogate him, he led them to the gravesite of Anne Marie Davy. Oh my God, right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is a bad dude. So they found her dismembered body on the grounds in three different places. So over the years, of course, this is kind of where the spooky kind of or haunted hospital stories kind of, this is where that sort of comes out because something like this happens and it's going to get around in the community and people are going to start talking about that sort of thing, that, that there was a young girl that went missing and that 
her, her body was found. And so some rumors started kind of going around that parts of her were still out there that Wilson had not told them about. And so um, that was sort of part of the beginning of this, the haunted hospital and the hospital having this reputation. It's, it is, well, good for whoever decided to reopen the case, but the fact that it took them so long um, yeah. is a problem, number one. Number two, like him having seven teeth and people just being like, okay, he can just hold on to seven teeth is mind-blowing, right? Um, and then last but not least, this poor lady, right? Mm-hmm. You, The only question I have is, where is the family? Why didn't they push for this? And you're right. Maybe back in the day, people just gave up on people that were mentally ill, that weren't fitting in the... But like, it's so sad to think that she was all alone and all she had was these healthcare providers. And these healthcare providers literally just tried to throw a missing patient under the rug, like, oop, escape patient. Like that is, it's just, it's the worst. It's the worst. Oh, I know. I feel my heart really goes out to her. And I I just, I just wonder, it almost seems like there almost had to be more that maybe we don't even know about because... Because they did find seven of her teeth on Melvin Wilson, the hospital sort of required a nickname of the hospital of the seven teeth. People started calling it this, the hospital of the seven teeth. And um, yeah, (laughs) patients and staff alike began reporting strange shadows that seemed to pass through the walls and halls. You don't believe in this stuff? No, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh for for those who are just listening, I'm shaking my head because look, I'm all for like, this is crazy, the incompetence, like how it could be a creepy situation. Mm-hmm. When people start talking about ghosts and spirits. Okay, wait till and, you hear the rest of the uh, story. Yeah, um, that's you why I did it. change your mind. Go ahead, hit me. You might just change your mind because patients and staff alike, okay, both saw... Uh. Something strange shadows passing through the walls and the halls, appearing in locked rooms. Okay, the rooms were locked. I'm sure. (laughs) And then disappearing into the shadows. Nurses heard what sounded like a patient's desperate screams, even though, guess what, Q? There was no one around. Who was screaming? Who was screaming, Q? Isn't that the same thing that happens in every haunted house? In the I can't believe you're houses? laughing at this. this no, of course I'm laughing at it because, th- I mean, this is like the definition. Okay, just you can keep going because this is BS. It's obviously BS. You know, those stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. <laughs> if you say so. So there were underground tunnels underneath the hospital as if the place wasn't spooky enough. And of course, had to have underground tunnels. I feel like this is Scooby, a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> did, I, did I stumble into a, a Scooby-Doo episode somehow? <laughs> <laughs> Who built underground tunnels in a hospital? I don't know. But the staff reported, because I guess they used the tunnels for a while to kind of get back and forth, especially if it was on a bad weather. And the staff reported feeling hands grab at their feet, at their faces, and at their backs when they would walk through like the darker areas of the tunnel because there would be, there were these really dim light bulbs and they weren't, there weren't, it wasn't like there were light bulbs everywhere. So there were kind of some shadowy dark parts of the tunnel while they were kind of walking through those areas that they couldn't tell who was touching them, you know, and they couldn't see anyone. So eventually they started using the tunnels for storage and people stopped going down there because it was just so, nobody liked it. 
So there were some contractors who were supposed to go down and do some work in the tunnels and they mysteriously quit and refused to go back down and they wouldn't say, they wouldn't explain why. What do you say about that? So, so first of all, I have to, you know, give some, right? Because for someone who doesn't believe in ghosts and spirits and all this stuff, uh-huh. I am afraid to go downstairs, down to my hospital morgue. I don't know why. I know it's yeah. irrational, but I am afraid to go down there. If I work in a hospital that had this crazy history and I had to walk through underground tunnels and there was a spider web that brushed up on me, right? <laughs> if I worked there as a construction person and I knew this history and I heard a wind, the whistle and the wind blowing down some hall, I'd freak out too. But with all of that being said, I don't believe any of this. Of course, really? I, of course, Tina. Okay, of course, have, I don't believe more. any of this. There's more. Wait till you finish. Wait till we finish the story. I think you're going to change your mind. So, in 1992, the hospital closed for good. Thank buildings, God. Thank. The, the buildings became dilapidated, and people would sneak onto the grounds, of course, and into the building because. This is, like you said, it's gonna, it's the biggest cliche ever. People, thrill seekers and that sort of thing would say that they could hear doors slamming and disembodied voices. But people living in and around Boston at this area claim that they felt as if they were experiencing the actual emotions of a patient from the hospital. Are you doubting your of course Bostonian I'm doubting it. <laughs> fellow? Every, every, every single <laughs> one of them. Every single one of them, right? Every single one of them, right? Okay, well, they also, what about this? They also developed eerie memories of having had hospital procedures that oh they God. could have never, they never knew about. They had no way of knowing about, no way, they've never witnessed it before. And yet they have memories of these actual hospital procedures that would have taken place. At this hospital. Yeah. Attention seeking and it's called Google, right? There's a lot of hospital procedures I've never heard about that I could Google right now. Number one. Number two, I mean, this is ridiculous, right? Because yesterday I got sucked up by the UFO. (laughs) Are you telling me you don't believe that either? I don't believe any of it. None of it. Grief cute. Wait, Tina, do you believe any of this? Well, of course. What? See, I'm just not superstitious. You know me, like when people, when I'm on my floor, when people like don't say the Q word, I like like to play around. And you are the Q word. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but you you know, but like so, I'm just I don't believe in any of this stuff. I understand if you work there, being frightened, being scared, any of that stuff. But outside of actually being there while they were like these stories or these crazy things happening in the hospital, patients going missing or Mm -hmm. like actually patients dying and all these, you know, giving these kids these horrible medications and them dying and having a cemetery. Those are scary things. Everything after the hospital closes, stop, stop with all that noise. I have one more chance to try to win you over. A few years ago, Mm -hmm. more than 15 people, separate people, okay, calling it different from different areas, they don't know each other, all just, none of them are connected, called the police and said that they saw a woman near the building and that she was glowing blue. And they said that, they also had the same story. They said she was near the entrance and looked like she was gardening. Yeah. That sounds like a woman in a blue dress gardening. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, there's probably some old lady in a blue dress that decided, you know, let me pretty up this old haunted, creepy ass building. Because that sounds like something a woman would do, a lady, a, a person would do, right? It, could, it doesn't even have to be an old lady. It could just be a At guy. Night? I don't know, Tina. I have no idea. But until you whip out your iPhone and hit the record button so we can all see it posted on YouTubes, forget about it. In this day and age of technology, that, uh, you can make anything look like anything, any video. I don't, you you never, nothing's ever going to convince you. I think people either believe or they don't. It's not. Yeah, probably. I think you're right. I think you're you right. Have to, I guess you'd probably have to see it firsthand, maybe. Yeah. Which, Which would, would be really freaky. Very, you very might freaky. Ha- you might just do that. Please and don't say things like that to me. Don't, 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 oh, don't do that. <laughs> Why do you care? You don't believe in it. You don't believe it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, thank you. No, we're throwing that out in the universe if anybody's listening. <laughs> Q doesn't believe in you. <laughs> Please don't. Don't visit me. <laughs> so in 2007, the hospital was demolished to make room for a complex of condos. There you go. A national developer, Avalon Bay Communities, paid the state $10.7 million for the 23-acre housing site. So just the area that the hospital was on. And they and this was one of the richest land deals ever um, for a state government. When was this? In 2007. In 2007? For 23 acres in Lexington, Massachusetts. For those who don't live in Lexington, Mass, you might be like, oh, cool, that's just a town. But that is a... That's a steal. I know it says it's like an expensive deal and they have to pay all that much money. But I feel like the the state or the city would have been like, thank God someone's going to be building something over this. Because Lexington, Mass is a very nice town. It's close to the city. This is, that's a goddamn steal. You can't buy an acre for, I know it's obviously they have to do a lot of work and they have to do the demolishing and everything. But I think that's a steal. I think that's a steal. Well, they said this company said that they were trying to preserve the history and features of the site. So they reused some of the old buildings, I guess, and situating new ones in the same layout as the original institution. I'm not sure what exactly about this institution they were wanting to you preserve. Want to say, right. The cemetery, I the just, dead bodies, I the know, fucking like ghosts. There's nothing good about this place. The glowing blue lady? Like, what do they want to say? I really don't know. But what I thought was interesting is that one quarter of the apartments are were set aside as affordable housing for people with low or moderate incomes. 10% of the units were reserved for clients of the state, of the state Department of Mental Health. And then it has one, two, and three bedroom units, as well as a mix of townhouses and apartment style units. And the rent ranges from $1,500 to $2,700 a month for the market rate apartments and 1000 to 1500 for the affordable units. So I know that like most cities are dealing with like a homeless issue and Mass is pretty good about their homeless living in the Northeast, dealing with horrible winters. Most of these Northeast places are good about shelters, but it's really nice to know that they have housing for lower income, number one. And number two, mental institution, having housing for the mentally ill patients and people. Love that. So I think this is like... Yeah, I know. I just said that they got the property or the land for a steel price. But like the fact that they're doing all of this and I don't know if it's like mass law, but either or either way, mass law or not, I think it's really good that they're um, doing you this. mean like the apartments being set aside for part of them being set aside for affordable housing that apparently and part of them being set aside for mental oh, health. Well, clients of this. Yeah, I guess so. Clients of the State Department. Yeah, I guess so. 
Well, and because they did say that the institution being torn down was part of a an effort to rather than having people suffering from mental health issues in this large institution, they wanted smaller, more, I guess, I don't know, I guess smaller settings, like group home type things, rather than these large thousand bed um, institutions. So that was, yeah, I guess that's part of the the effort. I don't know how Massachusetts does with their for their mentally ill, but I do know that the state that I live in is atrocious and it's embarrassing. It's horrible. I I don't even don't even get. Well, I'm saying I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying good for like this specific like apartment building buy or whatever. But I think across the United States, people are bad with mental health. But I have a couple of questions for you, Tina. Okay, I know you mentioned earlier that um this is me my first time doing. Um, any travel nursing. So I always like to Google the places, the hospitals that are hiring people. And I found there's a couple of these hospitals like, oh, uh, there was a strike a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. Or there was, you know, those scary stories like we did the one on Ann Arbor Hospital where they had like a bunch of patients die and like, you know, crazy stories like that. If you were ever a travel nurse or when you do become a travel nurse or whatever, if that's even something in your future, if you had this kind of story, a haunted hospital, would you work there? Would you go there? Yeah, I would. You would? I never have seen a ghost. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a ghost and I've never, I've never experienced it. I don't want to discount someone else's experience, though. That's what I don't like doing. There are people that really believe. I do think people have had these experiences. I don't want to dis- discredit them or in any way, you know, Dismiss it. And then last thing, last thing before we move on. Have you seen the new movie, The Joker? Yes, I have. So so you saw like in the, spoiler alert, he ends up being a mental hospital, right? I feel like these, I feel like we don't put enough money in mental illness, but at the same time, every depiction of a mental hospital or a mental facility or place like a psych ward, they make it so the stereotype of a mental facility, a psych ward, is so bad. Like, I can't even think of any, you know, like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, a Joker, or all of these movies. It's always like the scariest place in all of healthcare. People already don't like healthcare, going to the doctors, going to the dentist, any of that stuff. But when you mention anything about mental health, people are like freaking out because they think the patients are crazy and they think the doctors and the nurses are like drilling holes. And it, like, it's, I just, I just, I just wanted to say, like, we need to do a much better job of letting the public know that. I honestly thought that like the men- movie depicted mental health very well. I, I. Did you see the end of the movie? Don't say anything, but. I'm not going to say anything, but that was very, that, that was, I mean, the end of that movie was. So, yes, I agree with you. It, it depicted what it's like to be someone with a mental illness yes. very well. It depicted hospitals or facilities meant for people with mental illnesses horribly. Horribly. Okay, I'm going to say this. Because I, I say this. do agree with you that I, I don't like stereotypes and I, don't, I certainly don't like... I would prefer... It, and this whole thing, it, of course, a haunted hospital it has to be a psychiatric facility because that's, people have always been afraid of mental illness. And so it adds, you know, to it. But, and I don't want to be furthering that stereotype or, or that stigma. Because while it's kind of fun to t- talk about a haunted hospital or, or that sort of thing, it's the mental illness is very real. It's not funny. 
and it's also quite common and a lot and there are different there are different variations all over the place that range from mild depression all the way to very severe mental illness and everything in between so when you what you're talking about uh, uh, in a psychiatric facility that is a maximum security facility which is usually what these places are that you're talking about where the people do not have the ability to make decisions for themselves and they're not allowed to leave. It's not, they're not there on a voluntary basis. They're, it, they are severely mentally ill. I have to say that probably most people probably would be afraid. When I first started working as a student, a student nurse, um, I, um, <laughs> I worked on a senior behavioral health unit. Okay. It was, uh, the patients were above 55 and they were, a lot of them were dealing with dementia, Alzheimer's, or alcohol or drug-related mental health issues. And there were some very scary patients. There were people who, because they don't know what they're doing, they're not, you can't really blame them for what they're doing. They don't know. They don't understand. But at the same time, you have to go up to them and take their blood pressure, take their temperature, clean them up if they if they've had a bowel movement or voided you know in the bed and what are you going to do you you go in there with another person that you work with and you have to be very careful not to get hit or kicked and so i just think that because of the unpredictability of mental of mental illness, it can be scary for people, even people who understand it and who work with these people every day because you don't know what what someone's capable of. That's fair. No, I mean, that is fair. I just think I, the only reason I don't like it is because people clump yeah. it all together, right? Like all like mental obviously, illness is this. Obvi- yeah. yeah, so obviously if it's like a like if it's like the situation like Melvin, whatever, the guy in the the, the bad nurse story, if if it's someone that actually went to court and they were like you either go to jail or you have to go to one of these secured um psych wards, that I get. But like in just in like in TV, in our culture, we think of Oh, if you have like an anxiety issue, you go to the same place you Melvin would be at. And it's just, it's not that. Like, I mean, there's, yes, there's locked dementia units. There's psych wards, like for general people who have mental illness and, you know, and then there's like the crazy lockdown units for criminals that also are psychotic that need to be locked up. So there's different things for different people. And I just don't, I feel like the mentally ill have had the worst of the worst when it comes to the stigma and just the perception that most people have of the healthcare situation. I do think that we're doing a much, our society is doing a much better job of educating people. The internet has definitely helped in social media because people are sharing. I would really, like, now I really want to talk to you about the Joker. Mm -hmm. Like, spoilers and all, some other time. But yeah, no, I'm interested. to see the movie. Yeah, it's too late. It's been like a month now. All right, let's catch up. <laughs> I do. I would recommend you see the movie. I thought it was a very well done movie. It was very disturbing though. So just beware. Did you really? Yeah, I thought it was disturbing. And you liked it. I did like it. You didn't like it? No, but I mean, you liked the depiction of like mental, like the mental illness. You thought that I was thought good. It was accurate. 
Okay. Yeah. I thought it was accurate. I don't think that it's not like it tells everyone's story of, that has. Of course, suffered. it's one right, person's but I perspective. I definitely think that that's an accurate depiction of one person's story. Of a psychopath, yes. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, he's the definition of psychopath. It's the Joker. People know that the Joker is insane. I mean, that's not a spoiler. The Joker is insane. Yes, I think people do know that. So what's the good nurse story or the good hospital story? This is a good hospital. It's a really, really good hospital. It is. I can't like, Tina, I need to work in peds and labor delivery. Like, this is the reason. <laughs> okay, like, yeah, I, you do your thing. I do your wonder thing. if all, so this is, we're talking about NICU babies and the NICU nurses who dress them up every year at Halloween. The Loyola Hospital in Chicago, apparently they've been doing this for over 30 years. The nurses have been doing it. So you couldn't find a good hospital in Massachusetts? It's just a bad hospital in Boston and then move on over? I'm sure that hospitals in Massachusetts, I think hospitals all over do this. Okay, but you had to find one outside of, okay, whatever. I'll take the hit. I really didn't think about it. So, Tina, I have to clip this portion of the of our conversation and make a video because I need people to see these pictures of these babies. Okay, yeah. Oh, my God. They're just, the, it's the best thing. I like. It's precious. It's precious. And I, I think this is very common. Like I said, hospitals all over that have NICUs, I, I think they do this. They dress their babies up in all these different Halloween costumes. It's adorable. They do it at the hospital that I work at, I'm pretty sure. So I think I've heard that. Yes, it's very sweet. So that's what we're talking about just to have like a good hospital story since we did sort of a bad hospital story. Yeah. Hospitals all over let their nurses and nurse. It's it's a good nurse story as well because the nurses are the ones I'm sure that do this, that collect. Dress them up. Yeah, and, they collect the costumes. Yeah. It's probably not an easy thing to do. They They have to... Because these are NICU babies. Like, let's let's remind people it's the NICU. It's it's not just like oh, babies that are born in the LND. No, it's NICU right. babies, right? This is neonatal intensive care right. unit babies, okay. and like, it's the best thing ever. They dress them up in these adorable Halloween mm-hmm. costumes. Oh, yes, God! There's a Popeyes. There's a Superman. <laughs> there's there's a unicorn. It's the it's just it's. The, it's the most adorable I thing know. I've ever seen in the world. I'm going to have to get Mark to put these on the website, these pictures, and then you you can make um, your video and show show them. But yeah, this particular one that we're talking about is Loyola in Chicago. And like I said, for more than 30 years, these nurses have been doing this. I think that's quite a commitment. No, it has to I be. Mean, and we've had a hard time getting our hospital to commit to doing a pumpkin carving contest every year. <laughs> they were like, eh, I'm tired from last year. I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I think that's neat when you commit to something and you do it every single year. And these costumes have gotten really creative. It's so fa- just amazing to look at them. Yeah, and like I, I just, we have to give it up to the hospital and the nurses and like the specific unit here, Loyola. It's just because you're right. It's not. It doesn't say anywhere in the article that the parents are bringing in the costumes. Like, I mean, these are the healthcare providers. These are the nurses, the doctors, the CNAs, everyone on the mm-hmm. unit that are dressing up these babies and obviously just getting the okay from the parents. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's a definite must. But like, these are the, the healthcare providers that are doing this. It's not the parents. And it's just the greatest thing yeah. ever. It's the greatest in thing ever. In this NICU... Usually there's just one baby to one nurse, one-to-one care. So the nurse chooses the baby's costume 
And and the, it says that many of the costumes are handmade by the nurses. Yeah, on their own time. It's, it's, not, even, it's, not, it's not even mm. fair. It's not even fair. How do you compete with these you nurses? You can't compete with them at all. You They're just can't. You can't. <laughs> you cannot. They're the best things I've ever seen. I know. It's so cute. <laughs> so sweet. Uh, so there is a little ice cream cone. Did you see the ice cream cone? Of course. So cute. Of course I did. And... Little clown. Oh my goodness. That's so sweet. Is 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 this a lion? It says beanie babies, but I don't know what this is. Oh, I don't know. Well, they're very cute. That's adorable. And I think they're it's, all cute. It's amazing. And yes. I love it. Um hospitals all over do this. So you can Google it and see all all sorts of them, all sorts of babies. They're just precious. Well, thank you very much, Q, for for coming on again with with us here at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and remind everyone where they can find you. Oh, thank you. I love the shout out. So you guys can find me. It's literally Q, the letter Q, then the nurse. I'm just YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you find, or wherever you do your most social, do find me there. Love it. Okay. Well, thank you. And I guess you can come and see us at our website at goodnursebadnurse.com, or you can find us on Instagram at goodnursebadnurse or Facebook at GNBN Podcast. Send us messages. I love it when you guys send me um, stories. The more stories, the better, especially like the hometown ones. You know, sometimes it's harder to find more obscure stories. So if you've got something, please send it in. You can email me also at tina at goodnursebadnurse.com. And I also want you guys to remember that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, right, Q? Right. Be a good nurse. Always. Always. 